Hey, welcome back. Episode 83 of Franco's World. Uh, this episode's going to be the first of its kind. I had to split up my interview with Mr. Chris into two parts just because I was running out of space on my podcast hosting site. So part two of this episode will come out next week after the new year. Um, again, it's been a wild year. Let's let's do a little bit of reflection here before we get into the interview. Uh, in the interview, we talk a lot about sports. So if you've been yearning for some sports talk, it's there for you. And if you don't like the sports talk, well, there's 82 other episodes to listen to. So the year, I think, me personally, I'm sure a lot of people went through this as well, but I think I felt every emotion known to man in, in in this year, you know, there was a there was a lot of happiness and joy and relief. There was also uh, a lot of love, and there was also heartbreak, and there was also you know sadness and and a lot of worry. I think we've all felt that this year, and um, I I really hope that this next year we uh, come out of it stronger and better people, and it, it turned us into the like every decision you make leads you to where you're supposed to be. So just think about that if you think you're not on the right path. It's like well. You know, it'll all work out in the end. So uh, I hope you guys had a great holiday season. I know a lot of people can get sad around the holidays. I, I spoke about that on the show. And uh, again, uh, feel free to reach out to me if you're ever bummed out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a resource for that. You know, I want to be there for you guys because you guys are there for me. You guys, sometimes these episodes turn into, turn into uh, therapy sessions, I feel like. And uh, it, it means a lot to me that you guys would carve time out of your life to, to listen to me. So thank you very much. With that being said, I finally started subscribing to Charts, and I was number 93 in the stand-up podcast um, Charts in the United States for Apple. So number 93, got into the top 100. Cool. So uh, that, that literally wouldn't happen without anybody listening. So thank you guys very much. I hope you enjoy the show today. Chris is a great comic, and I think we're pals now. Like, we talk about the Knicks a lot. Like, we DM each other about the Knicks. So we're boys. So it's... Uh, cool that i made another friend on here so i hope you guys uh, enjoy this episode just as much as i enjoyed making it have a good day ladies and gentlemen welcome back it's episode this could be 82 or 83 i don't know when it's going to come out but ladies and gentlemen i got a funny guy on the show we recently did a, a zoom gig together and we had a ton of fun he told this hilarious story about how he uh drank a bunch of cough syrup or something like that but he's alive to tell the tale uh ladies and gentlemen Chris Lamadou. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Franco? Fantastic, man. Where can the people follow you at? They can follow me at Chris Lamadou on both Twitter and Instagram. That's Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Lamadou, L-A-M-A-D-I-E-U, on both Twitter and Instagram. It's a gorgeous last name. Is that like French? What is, is that? It is French by the way of Haiti, by the way of slavery. Okay, <laughs> well, that's on me, folks. Um... <laughs> And I'm back, and I'm back. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to recover from that. Chris, you're killing me. You're killing me, Chris. Okay. Uh, let's start. Let's talk basketball, huh? Let's talk basketball. Oh, Go Knicks. Cool. That's my team now. Why? Uh, that's my team. Why are the Knicks? Like, you, we were talking about it, and you just started getting into the NBA. Why, out of, why of all the great things you could have in your life, you choose the Knicks. Because I'm a glutton for punishment and I love, and I, and I hate cheering for good things. It's, it's really comedians at heart. I think are, uh, what do you call it when you, uh, what do you call it when you want to be the opposite of just everything the entire time? It's the uh, I can't contrarian. Contrarian. Yeah. I think comedians are contrarians at heart. And, uh, I just don't want to cheer for a team that's winning all the time. That's no fun. I like it's it's kind of fun to have a little <laughs> bit of losing involved. It it makes it you know the wins feel much greater. Um, that and I I just you know 
I, I love the turmoil. I think the Knicks have the best fans. I want to be a part of that fun fan base. It's it's a great venue. MSG is a great venue. Um, Chris's phone is going bananas in the background. I almost had a yeah, brain injury. Right uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the reasons why I want to be a Knicks fan, and it's very hard for me to actually pin down reasons why I would choose to become a fan of the New York Knickerbockers. For me, I've been a Knicks fan since birth. Yeah. So, like, even my baby, you see some of my baby pictures that I have just Knicks gear. And, like, if I could be better, I would be better. Like, I would choose to be something else. Other than but I'm fan. stuck. I'm stuck being a Knicks fan. Well, uh, yeah, you, geographically speaking, you have to be a Knicks fan. And that stinks for you. But for me to choose this life, it's absolutely unheard of, you know? The closest basketball team to me is probably the Cavs. I think they're three and a half hours away. Maybe the Wizards. I don't know. But, like, I just don't want to cheer for those teams. Uh, I mean, the the Wizards are going to have a solid year after trading for Russell Westbrook. And so are, what would you say, the Philadelphia? Philadelphia's going to make the playoffs. They're one of the top teams in the East. Like I said, I've been a Knicks fan for 28 years, and it's, and it's mostly been suffering. Right. So I, like, the last time you were good was when my boy, Dan Tony. He's a West Virginia guy, even though he's got a super Italian name. He's he's a West Virginia guy, and he led them to to victory. Yeah, we made the playoffs. That was the Carmelo Tyson Chandler, uh, Raymond uh, Felton. They are team. I, th- I think Raymond Felton, Amari Stoudemire were on that team. Yeah, and like, what was that? That had to be early. I want to say. 2000 uh some early in the 2000 teens right and the funny thing is it's like that was a team that prided themselves on defense and you look at dan tony when he went to the rockets it's like pace and space three pointers i don't care about defense we're just gonna outscore you Dude, and that's the crazy thing because like dan tony even in phoenix he was the seven second what was it seven second offense where he wanted to get into the offense early in the clock yeah him and uh, Nash and Stoudemire. Right. He's always been an offensive. They call him an offensive genius. But, like, that has never translated to championships at all. I wanted to so bad. And now he's the assistant coach at Brooklyn. And I wanted him to get the head job back with the Knicks. And they gave it to Tibbs, who's a fine coach. But, like, D'Antoni had success with the Knicks. It's crazy he didn't get to go back to that. It's weird that with the people who have the success. I, I, again, the heart of the Knicks problem isn't – It goes all, all the way to the top. Chris. It's all ownership. Ownership. We have the worst ownership in the NBA. He'd much rather. Like, this, will, this, will get us banned. this podcast will get us banned from MSG. But he, I feel like he'd much rather worry about his ska band than he would, you know, buying a good point guard. Exactly, and his. Uh, so, and the thing is, the Knicks make money regardless. I once had a conversation with right. somebody like, when other organizations are bad, people don't buy tickets. They don't show up to games. Yep. Madison Square Garden sells tickets regardless if the Knicks are bad or if they're good. Right. You're absolutely right, man. It, it's I mean, it's a it's the Mecca. It's a great venue. People are always gonna go see games there. And he owns the Cleveland Indians too in baseball. And and they're about to get rid of their best player, arguably in the last twenty years of Francisco Landor, because they can't afford him. He owns that too. We should la- we shouldn't stop this guy from owning things. I mean, but like, the, I I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> He just seems like the worst person ever. The thing is about um, going back to Dan Tony uh, and basketball. His younger brother, Dan, Dan Dan Tony, which is a hilarious name. It's, it's like a, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a cartoon Italian mobster, Dan Dan Tony. It's it's so funny. He coaches the one of the Division One teams, Marshall University, here in West Virginia. And he he runs that like really fast chuck up trays. They their entire team 
They recruit a lot of international players too, but their entire team can shoot the threes, but then they have one big man who's like 6'10", 6'11", and he just stays in the middle and rebounds. That's all he does. Dude, that, that's... But that... It feels like the NBA is getting away from the big man, and analytics-wise, they want you to shoot more threes and more layups. You're absolutely that's the right. Whole, absolutely right. The whole system in um in Houston was we want no, there's no real post play. No, we're gonna it's threes or at the basket. Absolutely, and get fouled and go to the free throw line. James Harden shoot. Free yep. And you know the funny thing is, it's it's like you the big men are dying, and I was talking about this the other day. And when I get obsessed with something, Chris, I have to know everything about it. So you hear me talking basketball, and it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. This is new information. Okay, so mm-hmm. NBA now you see positionless players up and down the floor. It's you're six foot eight, you can shoot the lights out and dribble like no other. That's that's what you are. You know what I mean? And then you get unicorns like Perzingis. Uh, I want to call Kevin Durant a unicorn because he is technically seven foot. Yeah, and Luca and, and all these guys. Luca, well, anyone who's like seven foot and could do all of it and could still move, and they they also plug those in. But you're right. They, they prided the Celtics. The Celtics loved calling themselves positionless basketball. Uh-huh. Which, again, they trotted out everybody who was around 6'8". Jason um, like, Tatum, he's really tall. Jason Tatum. Um, they had Kemba at the one. Uh, uh, they have Hayward. Marcus Smart, who's like my top five most hated players. I hate Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart. Why? Because he's gritty. You like he, plays, it? he plays both ways. He plays defense and he'll play offense. Like, there's such a rarity in sports now that you get so much for me. I players. hate it. I love two way players. Kawhi Leonard, awesome two way player. One of my Anybody favorite, who, I loved Matt Barnes. He was one of my favorite players. He was a two way guy. That era in basketball. Well, there was this really good article about the enforcer in basketball. Um, the NBA getting rid of the enforcer position in basketball to clean up their image. And it was by Kenyon Martin, which was who, which was one of the best. was New Jersey's, uh, the New Jersey Nets enforcer. Yep, yep. he played on the team with RJ and uh, Nanad Kristich, I think, was on the team and all that. Yep. And, that, and like, he was like, those were the guys you put in who could rebound, but they were also there to let you guys know hey, we're not going to be walked over. He made the point of calling Kevin Garnett a fake tough guy. He was like, I was in the league, Kevin Garnett wasn't talking all that nonsense. He was like, every team had an enforcer, but the NBA had to clean up their image, so they got rid of it. And I was like, yo, bring back the enforcer position, because that was one of the staples in defense. Kurt Thomas in the uh, the late 90s was like, hey, you're going to dribble down the middle once, and you only got that (laughs) once, and then the next time you get an elbow. Yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I think that's why I like college basketball so much is because they actually you see multiple styles of ball. And in the NBA, it's just becoming pace and space. Uh, they're all six foot eight guys that just do everything. And I don't know. I kind of look a little bit of difference with the college game. I think college is the purest form of basketball still. I, I, Cause I, I, I agree. Because you'll still have the I love seeing a team of seniors who aren't going to go to the NBA. These guys are future accountants. Future accountants. <laughs> And, like, regular dudes are going to beat a team full of NBA stars. That's true, because they play better team ball. You know, they can shoot foul shots better. Exactly. They play that's their system. Well, West Virginia is a prime example of that. Our coach, Bobby Huggins, he he refuses to take these one-and-done guys, and he always cultivates these teams that go on runs, uh, you know, always have good seasons, stuff like that, run the press, press Virginia action on it. And uh, I, do, I love you know, Bob Huggins again, great defensive coach. He uh, he'll he'll literally 
he'll, he could switch from that, that press Virginia and he'll play in the zone with his big guys and you won't get down the middle. They'll force you to shoot. And if you're not a good shooting team, you'll have a terrible night against West Virginia. We give up a ton of corner threes that, that do kill me. I, I, I was at the game when Kentucky came up to Morgantown when I was still in college up there. And this was like, I think Kevin Knox, is he a Kentucky guy? Yes. And I think he might have been on the team and was just shooting the lights out from the corner. And we were like hanging in there. And I was like, oh my gosh, we can knock off this top Kentucky team. Kevin Knox just bang, 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 killed me. And now he stinks it on ice for the Knicks. He sucks. Oh, dude. Yesterday when they came back to win, he was hitting lights out. I was I was losing my mind. But like that goes back, again, being in college, I, I was at Rutgers when we played, um, I want to say we beat a UConn team that had Andre Drummond. And I think there was one year we beat them where we had Kevin, they beat Kemba Walker. Yeah. What years, we, what years were you there? I was there from 2010 to 2012. So you college. got to watch, and we could do a whole hour on this, you got to watch good Big East basketball. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude. Old Big East. Uh, the rack was crazy. And I actually, uh, one of the Big East matchups, I got to go to, uh, I went to MSG to watch a couple of the tournament games. And then I actually, I was uh, had a friend that lived in Syracuse. So I went there to see a few games. Nice. And Big East basketball was so good back then. Well, even before then, but I missed the old Big East. Me too, bro. Me too. Take me back to like 2008, 2009. I'm waking up on a Saturday, college game day basketball's on, and I get to watch a noon tip-off against Providence and the Johnnies. And it, and it's a raucous game. Take me back to that. Even DePaul. I remember, I getting, DePaul. Curb, I remember getting curb stomped by Jamie Dixon and, and Pitt. Like, like real, like real biggies times. Yeah. Going back to John Thompson at George. Oh John my Thompson gosh! Yes. The, well, John Thompson the second. Like, man, it was, it was. I miss that because I, I think these new, like, in the age of money, breaking down the biggies was the best basketball conference. Period. Period. Absolutely right. Like, second to the ace. Like, ACC might have had star power up top, but dwindled at the bottom. The Big East had was solid from top to bottom. Absolutely, and when they broke it apart, I broke like I was upset. There was no breaks in the Big East, bro. You would even like even Marquette would come through with good teams every now and again. You know, there was no breaks. Like the breaking it down for money for football was the worst thing to me because it was like all these schools that were close together in proximity, and they just didn't. They recruited well. They recruited the same people, so they didn't like each other. Right, and, and 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 like you'd have guys from the same neighborhoods or the same boroughs go up against each other, and they had something to prove. It was something a little bit extra. And and I want West Virginia so badly to get out of the Big Twelve, man. They're just not a Big Twelve team. It does not match our uh, geographic location. Like we need to get into the ACC. You know what I mean? That's that's the way to bring your school back. You guys need to because you guys were like you you guys had those good basketball. Uh, I mean football teams, but you guys were a basketball school when once Bob Huggins was. I mean. When Bob Huggins took over, I remember when you guys were in the, well, when you guys were in the, you guys were in the Big East. You guys are still dominating. You guys made the, those tournament runs then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh, I just like we have no rivals in the. In, going back to the rivalries you're talking about, we have no rivals in the Big Twelve. Like we get to fly. Like our fans can't go to any games because the closest game is in Iowa, which is not close at all. And I want to go back to the ACC. Like I want to be able to play Virginia Tech. Pitt, uh, even Miami used to be a little bit of an issue. Uh, 
a, a regular Virginia. We could just go University of Virginia. I want to play these teams again. That would be a perfect conference for you guys. I'm I, again. It's all money. You're absolutely right. It's all when they're breaking it down for money and football. It just it. it you're absolutely right, man. Football breakup and like the thing to me is like Rutgers left of the Big East for football to go to the Big Ten. Oh, they got to get out of there. They got to get out of there. Yeah, and they're the ba- they're basement dwellers in the pit in the Big Ten in football. This year we're actually good. Now Shiano, now Shiano is a good coach. He will probably bring them back. He'll bring them back, but like, was it worth it? I mean, I guess it was worth it to get the money for all those years in the Big Ten. But like, now we're a ranked basketball team. Are you a football um, guy too, or are you just are, are you a football guy at all? I'm a football guy. Okay, I'll watch. I'll watch all sports. Okay, good, good, good. Because I also want to talk about this Big East football, folks. Chris, one day I'm going to need you to break it down to your kids. There was a point in time in history where UConn, University of South Florida and Rutgers were all ranked in football at the same time. Dude, those are crazy names. <laughs> that's crazy that you remember that. Think about that. UConn. US UConn, UConn ranked in football. That's crazy because they had, they had a kid from Staten Island at running back, and I remember um, like he would uh, he would pop up on my uh, in my on my like notifications. But like we're never going to see that again. No. UConn's never going to be ranked in football ever again. They're moving down to one double A. They're done. Really? Yeah. That's heartbreaking. That is. But they're a basketball school. Just embrace the basketball. You know, I don't know if but the women's team brings in any money. What's that? Their basketball program has having, been having, what, a down couple of years? Yeah. Did they fire Kevin Ollie? Yeah, they fired Kevin Ollie. Um, Danny, one of the Hurley brothers is the coach. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. He's a hothead. He gets pumped up. Yeah. Dude, their, their father was a hothead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of them's a coach at ASU and one of them's a coach at UConn. Right, right, right. The one at ASU was at Buffalo. I, I miss, uh, I, I had a buddy. I were, I was a baseball scout, uh, like a season ago, something like that, season and a half ago. And one of my my closest work friends went to St. John's, so he got me onto the Johnny's train, and I like watching them play ball. But it bothers me that Mullen isn't the coach anymore. He's he is St. John's. Do, they replaced Mullins? Yeah, he's not there anymore. That's crazy. I'm almost uh, positive. I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive. I'll look it up right now as we speak. But go ahead. One of my brother's friends is actually with their starting point guard. No kidding. Yeah, I forgot what's his name. I have to text my brother something more or something. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not the coach anymore at the the Johnnies. Yo, dude, my dad used to tell me stories about that St. John's team because my dad was my dad was more, well, my dad li- lived in Queens, oh, so he was yeah. like that was that was the team you went to in the in the like they were they used to be ranked all the time. They were a basketball school, and now they barely register. Dude, Chris Mullen. Uh... I remember there was that documentary. Uh, it was ESPN. Oh, the Requiem for the Big East. Did you ever watch that on ESPN? No. What was that? It was just about. It's a really good story about the, uh, you know, the conception of of the Big East and how it broke apart at the end. It just tells the tale of the conference and how they rose to prominence by like playing these random Tuesday night basketball games and it them focusing on recruiting locally and getting being lucky that ESPN was in Connecticut in a small company. It's really cool. I need to watch that, but like, dude, those bat like the Big East tournament at MSG used to be the thing to watch. It was the thing. Like, yep. In the, in the sports world, like, just like SEC was in football, the Big East was in basketball. 
Absolutely, man. West Virginia, we went on a couple runs. I think we got a couple Big East titles. Think we think we did it. Yeah. Dude, those used to be the Jamie Dixon Pitts, Bob Huggins. That those West were fights. Virginia. I would go to those games. Those were literal fights on a basketball court. Jim Calhoun at uh UConn uh, and uh Bobby Thompson and Bobby Thompson the second at Georgetown. Those were crazy times. Who's the guy that's uh, at Providence? I like him. He's always got a good team. I forgot his name, though. Ed Cooley? I think it's Cooley. Cooley, yeah. And Cooley will, says this thing, and you can quote me on it. He says that, so the Providence home court, wherever that is, is the first home. But he says, MSG is our second home, which is always funny to me because it's like, I'm pretty sure St. John's plays games in MSG is like the yeah, second home. <laughs> that's, Ed, but those, like, Biggie's tournament at, at MSG was always like a staple, right? And it was right before March Madness, so you would go straight from that tournament. Yeah, wall to wall basketball, wall to wall basketball. That made me so. This makes this conversation makes me miss that so much. You know what the crazy thing is? I'm such a weirdo. I'm most likely tonight. I'm probably gonna watch old like Big East football games on my laptop before I go to bed. Like I, I will watch. <laughs> I will watch a ranked. Uh, Rutgers. I will. I will watch Pandemonium and Piscataway. That that kick that that guy hit. I will watch that. Dude, uh, the Big Ten Network sometimes runs old games, and I'm just like, dude, the Big East was like we were mediocre at football. Yeah, but we had some good, like some great players came out of there. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously Ray Rice came out of there, and then there was a big linebacker came out of there too. I forgot his name. Uh, for a while, the Patriots like were, were oh the McCordy the McCordys would always pick up a Rutgers player in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. And now uh, McCourty ended up being like one of the best corners in football. Yep. Jason and the, the twins. Yeah, the twins. Uh, his brother plays for the, brother plays for, uh, the Patriots. Yeah, both of them do. Yep. Absolutely right. Man. Um, for me, Big East, I mean, that's enti- my entire childhood uh, with Rich Rod running that spread option stuff with Pat White and Steve Slate and Noel Devine uh, in West Virginia. And I just want to go back to making games matter. I feel like games don't matter in the Big 12 because it's like, oh, great. We get to fly to Oklahoma, fly to Texas three times a year to play all those teams. It's just annoying. I want to get in the ACC. Uh, I'll play Rutgers. What what should Rutgers do? What do you propose they do? How do they get out of the Big 10? So right now, there's again, they should leave. I I don't have missed the Big East, but like they're doing well in basketball now. I feel like we're going to shift from the f- a football school to a basketball school. Because right now we're ranked number 19 in basketball. Uh-huh. And Steve Peichel has taken the program from being, again, bottom dwellers in the Big Ten into last year we were going to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So, like, I, the people are going to say what um, Greg Sean's going to bring football back. But I think – as long as you have Steve Peichel doing fairly well, and right now the Big Ten is the I want to say the pro, the the conference in basketball. We have the most; they have the most ranked teams. Uh-huh. And Rutgers is going to finish towards the top. I think you're gonna you should just embrace the basketball school at this point. And if you want to get out of the Big Ten, the only way you leave the Big Ten is if you bring back the big east and this way you were playing the yukons you're playing you're playing <laughs> i mean you gotta it. get um i'm trying to think of the team that's in the uh i think colorado's like in the pac 12 like take them out yeah. and put them in the big 10 and then do a whole thing i don't know it's a whole thing 
I remember when the, every, the conferences were breaking apart and they were thinking of doing uh, an ACC North and an ACC South. I see. I don't remember that. I might have been a little bit too young. That was like a small conversation because it was going to be Syracuse. Oh, leaving, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're forgetting Syracuse and Bayheim and the Carrier Dome. Yep. And, wow. So they were good. they got those teams, and they were gonna also gonna take UConn for basketball, and then maybe Rutgers. But then Rutgers is like, now we're gonna go to the Big Ten, and then UConn did the the American Conference. Yeah. But like, there was a small talk about ACC North and ACC South. I don't remember that. Wow, I'm gonna have to look that up. I like weird history stuff like that. A lot of failed experiments. That's fun stuff. Um, going back to Knicks though. Going back to the Knicks. You know, they drafted Obi Toppin. They needed they need a guard. Nobody wants to come to them in free agency. I mean, I don't know. I mean, a plan I, I'm assuming the Knicks are gonna stink this year. Like they're gonna play really bad and pick up uh a Fade for Cade. Who? Fade for Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, yeah. Point guard from um OSU. Uh Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I think they might have like cheated to get him or something like that. I don't think Oklahoma State's allowed to go to postseason basketball this year. I they're they're not they I don't know if they cheated to get him but I know they gave themselves a self imposed ban. Oh, that's that's um, a cheap way out. Oh, we're gonna self impose like, dude. This year LSU oh, self imposed themselves this year. <laughs> that's so soft. Like it doesn't even matter this year. Every sport that has to deal with the 2019, 2020, maybe even twenty twenty one pandemic. It's like they're all going to have asterisks by it, kind of. It doesn't really matter, which we could talk about the asterisk with the NBA uh, bubble championship, which I don't think there should necessarily necessarily be an asterisk by that one. I don't think there should be. I think the NBA bubble was the smartest way to handle uh, like handle sports during this time. It was so cool, bro. I The NBA bubble kind of turned me into an NBA fan just because it was like, okay, this is the only sport that's going on you're gonna have like and I'm a baseball guy but it's like you're gonna have to watch it and then I fell in love with it and I fell in love with Tyler Hero and I, his rookie card is gonna pay for my kids At Miami team. crazy I spent way too much money on Tyler Hero rookie card so hopefully uh I can flip it and uh you know give my kid a couple grand for college <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the thing about I think they handled it the smartest. They spent. I don't a have a kid. I just, I want to preface that I don't have a kid. This is future kid. Sorry. <laughs> they spent a couple of million to save probably billions. That's the thing. Yeah, you. Everybody was gonna lose money. It's just how can you limit the damage? And like I like with football, like you want like with the NBA. The NBA is a star driven league. Mm-hmm. We watch for the LeBron yes. Jameses. We watch yes for the the. The Damian Lillards and whatnot. Yes. So, like, if they get COVID, we're not watching this. Yeah. Like, we're, they lose, the more stars you lose, the less we're going to watch it. Football never got that. So, and thank God they haven't lost anybody too COVID. As much as I love CJ McCollum, he's not the main reason I'm watching the Trailblazers. He's Actually, an add-on. Not. He's an add-on. Uh, he's, a plus, he's a plus at best. He's a plus one uh, to the wedding. Like, the football never got that. And thank God we haven't lost anybody major, uh, anybody to COVID in football. But, like, the way these teams handled it, I just think was somewhat poor. I think like, football is just playing through COVID. I think players are getting it left and right, and they're just forcing them to play. I think that's what's happening. Really? Yeah. At that, I think that if, you to, if someone told me, if someone on the inside told me that, I'd be like, that's probably true. Like, they, they fudge the COVID numbers on the football field? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, totally, bro. I mean, what happened the other week with uh, – 
Lamar or something like that. He had it, but then he comes back in a week. But I don't know how it works, man. And and they said Des Bryant can't play, and they walk him off the field, but then he's negative. It's so weird, bro. I again, they're they're t- and they're punishing teams for not following pro- protocol. But I'm like, this whole league, you guys should have just uh, got a campus or like got a few campuses and just done a like a. Everybody plays conference and then play out of conference for playoffs. I understand it's much tougher than football than it is like the MLS. The MLS like did a little opening season tournament down in Florida. And, I, and, and you know, baseball had their playoff kind of playoff bubble where they play in those neutral site stadiums and stuff like that. I think football is just too difficult with the amount of bodies to do it. 56, well, yeah. Not only that, with the coaching staff and the, and the trainers and everything, it's just too much, I think. I, for them, they would have to sacrifice because with the NBA, you guys were living in basically hotel rooms. On like for football again, too many bodies. You'd basically have to be on like a college campus. Yeah, you'd have or, to rent out like three dorms. Yeah, asking these millionaires to live in dorms, dude. The commitment though, and nobody's talking about this really. Like the commitment to the NBA players to be, especially and and you can be a LeBron guy or not. I myself am a LeBron guy. I, I've been a fan of his for, for a long time. I love his work ethic. And he's talking about how, like, if anybody even got close to leaving the building, like, how mad the whole, like, it's a commitment to it. And, like, I just love to see the commitment to the excellence there. You got to respect, like, if we're, we're all got to be down here sacrificing time with our families and our lives, like, make it worth it. Stay the course. Uh, and uh, by the way, I don't get. I never got LeBron hate. Like just to be honest with you, never got LeBron hate at all. It's very easy, Chris. It's very easy to hate greatness. It's very easy. I I choose to respect greatness in all aspects. If anybody's great in something, like I'm a Dolphins fan. I like the I love the Miami Dolphins. I always have. I don't know why. Okay, but I Tom Brady. I kind of have to respect. You have to respect him. Like LeBron. LeBron is to me. <clears throat> We were told at a very young age that this kid was the next big thing. Right. And we're always sold on the next big thing, whether it pans out or not. LeBron was given great expectations at the age of 16 or whatever, and he hasn't faltered. And hasn't faltered once and, and exceeded them in some levels. People are trying to bring him down left and right. Look what he's doing for the city of Cleveland, opening up these schools for underprivileged kids. He's gonna he's now opening up like a boys and girls club for like adults for some I don't know what it is, where people can learn financial literacy. Like he's just yep. a genuinely good guy. There's this really good podcast. Uh, it's a podcast series about Freddie Adu. And uh, do you remember Freddie Adu? Yeah, they compared him to Pele. Yeah. Yeah. So they t- it talks about that. It talks about but it talks about the steps in which, like, he, like, he was a prodigy that never made it. Right. But talk of, they go into in-depth interviews with people around him and Freddie about what happened to him along the way. And you see, like, between the people around him, the, or, the people pumping money into Freddie, um, and just, I want to say, bad circumstances for Freddie, he faltered and never became that prodigy. Even though he had a fairly, he still went on to have a pro career uh, elsewhere right. in the uh, outside of the U.S. All right, so that was part one with uh, Chris Lemadu, my boy. 
Uh, again, hope you guys had a, a great holiday season, and I hope you have a uh, great New Year's. I will be watching Andy Cohen rip shots on CNN and doing a lot of reflecting. That's what I like to do around uh, New Year's and stuff like that. We're going to go after 2021 uh, with a vengeance. We're going at it hard. Uh, I know everyone's going at it hard. Uh, there will be a lot of – everyone will indulge in excess. Um, hopefully that leads to success. That was stupid. I hate myself. That's the dumbest joke I made, and that's what I lead going into the new year. God. All right. Well, I can't live with myself after that one. All right. See you guys. <laughs> have a good, have a good new year, and uh, hope the best for you in the in the upcoming year. See ya.